Blog Talk Radio. Can you guys hear me of all time? Yes. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Let us know 
but I believe we are also live on the Facebook fan page. And we're doing this a little bit different today. We thought, well, because we had originally planned uh, this show to be live here in Indianapolis, but our good friend, the COVID, uh, not the good Corona, uh, decided that uh, plans to be otherwise. So we're all together. So what we're doing is we'll be, we're on Facebook Live. I, I believe that we are on Facebook Live. Um, let me just check with Melissa in my ears. Melissa, are we on Facebook Live? All right. Maybe we are. I'm not sure. Okay. Well, we are on Facebook Live. So say hello to everybody on Facebook. We're enjoying this. So we typically would just do our opening monologue and go to the break, but we're, we're just going to dive into things. Rick Riggin. Our, and uh, Scott Lamb is joining us. Uh, Scott's from his bunker deep down in Evansville, Indiana, down in the boonies in BFE, on the right side of BFE. Uh, U.S. Army veteran, uh, most recent U.S. Army veteran, Rick Ridden, Notre Dame extraordinaire, U.S. Air Force veteran. So glad that you guys are with us. And we are going to be doing this. I mean, well, this is kind of new for us. This is the first time that we did a live virtual show, and we are enjoying sharing this with you. We are now streaming live on Facebook. I see that notification. And uh, so Melissa will monitor the comments. If you guys want to get on the Facebook fan page and and, and check us out as well. Uh, so crazy week. Let's we'll start at, at the top. Guys, let's go around the horn. We did not know exactly what was going to happen with Ohio State. Um, it turns out that Ohio, Ohio State is good to go full steam ahead, but there was a, a, a wrench thrown in the spokes, if you will. We'll start with you, Rick. What, what do we know about Ohio State and the Big Ten and where it stands right now? Sounds like they're going to uh, play today against Michigan State and uh... – but the uh, the big monkey wrench in the, their whole plan is Michigan is actually the one with the uh, the COVID issue, right. and uh, I think uh, Kirk Herbstreit earlier this week uh, he had to come out and apologize, but I think he's actually right, and he's the one to say it publicly. A lot of people were thinking it, but he's the first one to say it that uh, Michigan's going to wave the white flag next week and uh, just end uh, or ruin Ohio State's chances for the Big Ten championship game. And if that happens, I think the uh, Big Ten Conference will just alter the rule to let Ohio State in anyway. Scott, what do you think? Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens with next week with Michigan if they play or do not play. Uh, Ohio State's tra- traveled or playing Michigan State today. Uh, it's it's going to be an easy easy win for them, uh, but their coach isn't going to be there. Coach Ryan is out for the COVID. Uh, I think he's the only one. Ohio State was hit hard last week with COVID, but I think it's just the coach that's left that wasn't able to make the game. Uh, but otherwise, they should be at full strength. Other than that, uh, the whole Michigan idea, you know, with that rivalry, if they can't beat Ohio State, I'd just cancel the game and put that wrench in their college football playoff hopes because they're not going to get in with just five games. Well, and I guess that would be the the thing. And and I think that the big a lot of people talked about the Big Ten doing whatever they could do to make sure that Ohio State was in the Big Ten championship. Um, do, do we buy into the conspiracy theories? Uh, I think that uh, 
this year, I, everything's a possibility. So, yes, we buy into it. <laughs> <laughs> Rick, are, I mean, Scott, are you buying into the conspiracy theory? The conspiracy theory that the Big Ten is going to get Ohio State into the championship game? I'm not buying into that. Uh, there's, a, there's a minimum threshold that the Big Ten put out for a reason. Uh, they put Ohio State in without meeting that threshold, and you have half the conference didn't meet the threshold. Someone else is going to that conference championship game. They set it out at the beginning of the year. They're not going to make an exception so they can have someone that maybe get into the college football playoff. Not happening. So, Rick, let's lay out and let's talk about the Big Ten Championship. I want to talk about this BYU because that's another uh, quasi-scandal, if you will. And we're also going to talk about how, I mean, I think that Notre Dame's got everything twin steps of the velocity that we want to talk about. But if Notre Dame gets an absolute ass-stomping, does that push Notre Dame out of the playoff pictures? It, It could. And that's the thing I'm worried about. I mean, if you've seen Notre Dame play this year, though, uh, they're not going to lose by three or four touchdowns to Clemson. I know Clemson's going to have Trevor Lawrence back, and everybody thinks that's the uh, that's the magical thing that's going to curb stop Notre Dame, but it it, it truly isn't. I know the uh, uh, DJ Uangalele threw for 450 uh, yards and two touchdowns or something. That's Trevor Lawrence's numbers. Uh, I also understand having him in the game alters the game plan because uh, – I will say the full playbook wasn't opened up for him uh, during that game. But still, with Trevor Lawrence, uh, he doesn't run the ball. They held a Clemson 28 rushing yards. Trevor Lawrence does not play defense. And uh, Clemson could not stop the run. If you've seen Notre Dame play this year, uh, if they take a loss in that game, it's not going to be three or four touchdowns. They're not going to get clapped. So, But if they were to get destroyed, that might open the door uh, for another team to slide in. So that is one thing that I – I'm not worried about, but it is in the back of my mind. Scott, when we look at the the, the uh, uh, Big Ten as a whole, it, how do how do we see this playing out? How do we see um, – is it going to be Ohio State, Northwestern, no matter what? They're going to play that game? What are your, what are your thoughts there, Scott? Yeah, I think North, I think Northwestern already clinched uh, the – IU's got a big game today with Wisconsin, and with Penix going down, I mean, we'll talk about that game in, here coming shortly, I'm sure. Uh, but if IU doesn't get that win, uh, you're looking at a three-loss conference representative in the championship game coming from, from the West. Uh, it's between Ohio State. So Ohio State has to be able to play next week, and it's all going to come down. Is Michigan going to play or not? Hey, Tom, real quick, I just want to throw this out there, too. In the event that Ohio State does not make the uh, Big Ten title game, if they just don't let them in, uh, I'm coming across things now that uh, Ohio State and Wisconsin on December 19th are going to play a shadow-like Big Ten title game. I heard that. I absolutely heard that yesterday. So if it is IU Northwestern, the title game, uh, that's just going to be overshadowed by the Ohio State Wisconsin game, and that's going to give that 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 sixth game to Ohio State. You know, obviously, it doesn't matter for the title game, but it does have playoff implica- implications if that happens. See, so and, and, and I have a problem. I, I got right, a problem right, with that right. because you had at the beginning of the season when you know you had Nebraska couldn't get a game, and they tried to schedule an extra game uh, when they lost their first one, and the Big Ten shut that down. They said, no, now you know they're sitting at one and four right now. Uh, 
is the Big Ten really going to let them schedule a game when they when they put out in the beginning that all games are canceled, they're not postponed? I mean, I just – I if, think if, the Big Ten is making this up as they go, buddy. I mean, they got so I, much I pressure from players and parents, and I think if Ohio State does not get in somehow, if it hurts their playoff chances, there's going to be a big uh, uprising here in the next week or two, and they'll, they'll, they might just go ahead and schedule that game. So I don't know. I mean, I agree with you. You're right, but I also think – so we we need to make sure Ohio State gets in the playoffs somehow. So if they, we got to schedule an extra well, game, I think they'll probably. So do. so even if the, even if they do get that Wisconsin game, and let's say they're at six and zero, uh, and they're a you know they're they're going to be a paper champion. They didn't play in a conference championship. Is a six and zero Ohio State team better than a nine and one A and M team that had to win against Florida and their only losses against Alabama? I don't I don't know if they want to look at a six win Ohio State team right. and not put A and M in there. And I'm glad you brought up A&M. They have an argument because they're the team that beat Florida. So they actually have an argument here. Only loss is Alabama. <laughs> well, this is the oh, Hey, Tom, how you done? We just took that segment over. No, you guys are absolutely fine. This is what we do every Saturday morning. And this is the first time. So we, we want to make sure that we acknowledge uh, that we are running live on Facebook. It may take a little bit. For things to, to get caught up to us so we can start seeing some comments. But hopefully we will start seeing those here soon. And uh, certainly Rick and Scott, if you want to go to the fan page and share that link on your uh, personal page uh, oh, as, yeah. as well. And um, so hopefully we can, we'll start getting some comments. And uh, if you guys want to, one of you guys want to watch that, uh, go right ahead. And, and we're just kind of, this is new to us is the balance. Typically we do this thing uh, off camera, but as you can see, as good looking as we all are, we decided that hey, today is the day yeah. that we're gonna, we're all gonna, we're all gonna go uh, virtual. Let's talk about this BYU uh, Coastal Carolina game. It's another uh, conspiracy theory, and we talked about BYU last week. I mean, we talked a lot about that. What what are your, uh, what are your thoughts, Rick, on this BYU? Um, we want to call it scandal. Can we use the word scandal? I don't know if it's a scandal. I, I think it's cool that they uh, scheduled Coastal Carolina. They got this game scheduled. Uh, BYU's not getting any love by the playoff committee. Uh, well, they ranked 13th, 15th, maybe something like that, 9-0. I mean, Zach Wilson is, is in my book, a Heisman contender. Uh, but we haven't seen him against, like, really uh, okay competition, but not good competition. Now, I don't know if Coastal Carolina helps that call. Uh, the thing is, a couple weeks ago, when uh, Washington got their game canceled, Washington didn't have any COVID tests. It was the other team they were playing. Uh, BYU said we'll take on all challengers anytime, anywhere. Washington stepped up and said, okay, guys, we'll play you. And I think BYU was like, eh, eh we're good. You know, ne- you know, ne- never mind. I don't know if that was really BYU or if that was the Pac-12 not letting Washington step out of the conference. It's one of the two, but – that's the type of game BYU needs on the schedule, somebody like Washington. I don't know if this Coastal Carolina game helps their calls any, but I think it's great for college football today. Uh, I, I really do. It, it, it's a great thing. And it lets Coastal Carolina see where their program is going against a not a Power 5 team, but BYU is a pretty damn good independent. You know, they're, they're a big-time program. They're, they're looking great this year. So it's a chance for Coastal Carolina to see how they stack up. Well, here's the thing. I wonder how, you know, we talk about chaos. I mean, will this game create any type of chaos, even if it doesn't put, even if it doesn't put 
BYU in the playoff picture. Uh, and Scott, let's go to you. What what kind of impact do you think this will pl- have on the uh, college football playoff uh, series system? So so it gives BYU a top twenty five opponent. Uh, whether Coastal Carolina stays ranked uh, the rest of the season uh, remains to be seen. But BYU's been beating teams by an average of thirty five points, and they're not an O, and they're not getting any love from the committee. They are ranked thirteenth in the committee, but they're ranked eighth in the polls. Uh, the committee doesn't look at their schedule and, and see anything there. They, I mean, they're smashing opponents, and Coastal Carolina is not going to be enough to push them over the top. Maybe it puts them in the top 10, 10 or 9 or 8 spot, but beating Coastal Carolina is not a Power 5 opponent, and it's not going to be enough to get BYU in the mix. Well, do we, we, I, we don't think that even if, even if they do a, a big ass whipping on top of uh, Co- uh, uh, Coastal Carolina, we wouldn't think that that would be enough to even push them up to the playoff standard, do we? We don't think. No, there's too much ahead of them. I mean, just take the top four out. I mean, they got to get past the uh, A&M, Florida, Cincinnati. I mean, if, even if they were the, the eighth best team, ninth or tenth best team, uh, they got to get past all these teams somehow. So I don't think this game is going to push them above any of that. Uh, so I just don't know what the impact this game is going to be, really. BYU, but I do think it's great for college football today, and game days at uh, Coastal Carolina today, so it's for the first time ever, so I think that's great for, this is all great for Coastal Carolina, and they get to see uh, how they stack up. The, the Scott, problem for both uh, these teams, you, neither of them, even even with the win by either one, they're not going to get into the New Year's Six Bowl, because Cincinnati has that, is going to have that locked up from the group of fives in the independents. Uh, really, and, and both of these teams play a similar style of, style of offense. They both average about 10 and a half, 11 possessions a game. Uh, this isn't doesn't have the works for BYU to come and blow them out by 30. It's going to be a double-digit win, but it's not, it's not going to be high enough scoring because they both are ball possession teams. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get into some of these other games. This is the balance, and we are doing a little something different. We may not be going to our normal breaks, but we do have one coming up in about uh, 10 minutes. We'll try to go ahead and, and, and do that. We'll be on a, a commercial break. So if we do get into a break and you just see us not uh, talking, that's kind of what's going on if you're watching this on, on Facebook. Let's talk about Notre Dame uh, Syracuse today, obviously, at 2.30. At hope today that we would be, all be able to be together here in Indianapolis to watch that game. Uh, but uh, COVID has affected at least two out of the three of us, so that we that trip was not able to happen. We are going to postpone yep. that, if you will. We are postponing our, our schedule. Uh, my name is Tom Mark Lascell, president. Joining us also is Rick Brigan and Scott Lamb uh, here on our Facebook uh, live page, uh, on the fan page. Uh, thank you for joining us, and, and hopefully if you got any questions, pop there, anything that you want up there, I know it's a little bit different than being on your actual news feed. Uh, and uh, so we're doing this today uh, like everybody else. We're, 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 we're just uh, making it do. So, yeah, Rick, we know you're the Notre Dame guy. Notre Dame, uh, Syracuse, let's kind of walk through uh, some of the storylines here and what, what do we know and what do we not know. Well, I'll say this is the last game of the season for the ACC. Uh, they want to go ahead and protect their top two uh, teams, Clemson and Notre Dame, for the ACC title game here in a couple weeks. So they went ahead and canceled the next week's games, all the makeup games, uh, Notre Dame, Wake Forest, uh, Clemson, Florida State, uh, 
just there's, there's a whole bunch of makeup games next week in the ACC. They ACC conference went ahead and canceled all of those games. So this is it for the ACC conference today. Uh, Scott is a lot better than me on looking at spreads and doing all that, but I know Notre Dame's around a 32, 33 point favorite today. Uh, I don't know if I if I see it that high, maybe around 28 to 30. Uh, I I would not bet Notre Dame on that, but uh, who knows? I mean, they, they play great defense. Uh, I, I see the second half of this game, if it's out of hand, that the uh, the starters are going to sit because we're not going to take any silly injuries today. So that's why I think that uh, they may not cover that, that large of a spread. But it's going to be a big blowout win for Notre Dame today. And I don't know if they're already looking ahead to Clemson or not, but uh, it could be another reason why they won't cover that 33-point spread. So I guess and that's a very good uh, point there, Rick. And, Scott, I know you you're, you covered the spread. There are plenty of trends relating to that 30-point-plus uh, spread. But would this be the week that you take a flyer on, on Syracuse? Absolutely not. Syracuse's best game of the year, arguably, was their first 30 minutes in that Clemson game. And otherwise, I mean, they are the cellar dwellers in the ACC uh, with a loss to Liberty on their record also. Uh, this is not going to be a competitive game. The only thing to really look at, if, you're, if the spread is 34, if you wanted to take the points with Notre Dame, I mean, the biggest thing is, is Notre Dame overlooking. They got two weeks to get ready for the ACC championship game. So this is – they're going to go beat up on Syracuse. I'll stay away from the points, but this is not going to be a competitive ball game. No, not at all. <laughs> so, so, so could we stay in agreement our first official pick today in December of 2020 – is everybody's uh, rolling with Notre Dame? I think we're. I think it works. No, yeah, Notre Dame big. Thirty at thirty-three points. I don't know, but Notre Dame but huge. So you know another storyline that's being talked about, Rick and Scott. You may have heard this is the the storyline about uh, well, how, how do we say this nicely? Basically, uh, pushing Liberty out of the way of out of any possibility of any really good bold uh, appearances. Um, again, based on what the committee's talking about, they're not showing any love to Liberty, and, and everybody's going to ask why. And we'll start with you, Rick. Why is Liberty now getting more respect right now as they should be? Uh, I think they're getting a ton of respect, honestly. This is a historic year for them, and they're going to get into a, a pretty good bowl game as a result of it. Uh, my question is, what's going to happen with Hugh Freeze? But they're not going to—they're not going to be able season. to play on New Year's Day. The last I heard, they're—they're they're not going to be able to play on New Year's Day. Don't you think? They yeah, but, New Year's but Day? If, if if you're Liberty, I think you're still okay with that. If you go to like the Champ Sports Bowl or something like that, you know, something that's not a New Year's Six, but still a pretty decent bowl game. Uh, but the other question is, what bowl games are left out there? Because ain't there like five or six of them now that have canceled this year? So uh, I, I think that a. Uh, they're going to get good exposure come bowl season. They'll be in a decent uh, game against a, against a good team. Uh, I think it's just a, a historic year for Liberty, and uh, they'll get into a decent decent enough bowl game, I, I should say, uh, as, as a result of that. Scott, do you think that there's being any love shown in the in the in the bowl games for Liberty? Well, the, the problem with Liberty is they're, they're an independent, so they don't have a conference championship to win. Uh, they, they played UMass. They played Western Kentucky. They played Florida International. And some of those games other than UMass are really close. Uh, they do have a win against Syracuse, but, again, we just, we're talking about a 1-8 Syracuse team. And the other Power 5 opponent they played was NC State, and that's their one loss. 
uh, 15 to 14 ball game there. I think they will get a decent bowl game, uh, but and maybe they can crack the top 25 by the time the season's over. But their lack of schedule is what's keeping them out of the rankings right now. And again, we 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 always go back to this this same. We go full circle about this every single year on on strength of schedule. Who controls that? First of all, we we got to determine who. That's why that's why schools play pay big money to play big game games. Uh, for example, that's why Alabama makes good money uh, to go play these other schools or, or Notre Dame or whoever it might be. Insert team here. Because that's their only way to show that they – and they might go out there and get absolute ass-creamed by uh, – <laughs> Ass-creamed. <laughs> not have used that word, should I? It's hey, better than ass-raped. <laughs> we're, 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 we're live on Facebook, right? We can say anything on Facebook, right? It's, but it's their, their opportunity to sell a lot of tickets, but – I guess what I'm saying is, shouldn't there not be just regularly built-in strength of schedules for schools? And Scott makes a valid point. Liberty's only problem is strength of schedule. I think we've got to figure out a way to make this not such a major issue at the end of the year every year. I I, I agree. There needs to be something figured out where every team has an equal chance to make the playoff. You expand the playoff and uh, get some of these teams out of their conferences to play better games and non-conference schedule. Something's got to be done to uh, give everybody an equal shot because uh, there's like 130 D1 football teams, right, where there's like 330 D1 basketball teams, and they all have an equal shot to make a March Madness, you know, the big tournament. So why can't we do something like that in college football when they have like a, a third of the teams? Uh, give everybody an equal chance. I will say as far as strength of schedule, though, Notre Dame's got a lot weaker this year by not scheduling how they normally schedule. By joining the ACC, uh, they had an easier schedule this year. They have to play Michigan or USC or Navy or any of these normal teams that they play, uh, Stanford. Uh, joining the ACC was very beneficial to, to Notre Dame this year because it softened their schedule. Well, I, w- I would argue, though, if they did play their normal schedule, I mean, Michigan is not going to look good on your on your resume. Neither is Navy this year. But Clemson and – North Carolina, yeah, those we, games. Duke we still would have had Clemson, North Carolina on the schedule, along with USC and Stanford, however you want to take that. Let's say no COVID at all this year, and everybody played the normal schedules. Notre Dame had USC, Clemson, Stanford, North Carolina. They, 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 they'd have four or five really good measuring stick, stick type games, type of games to uh, to go off of. So, uh, lost train of yeah, thought. No, but anyway, is, I, I would. No, they, they schedule the tough ones every year. I mean, they, they are not ones that are going to shy away from a matchup. Right, and they have to because they don't have a conference championship game to fall back on, so they got to schedule tough throughout the regular season. So, uh, we chose Liberty as our, as our point of conversation when it comes to uh, the, the strength of schedule. Scott, who should Liberty have played and be to get a favorable look in more favorable look when it comes to to the conversation of uh, uh, strength of schedule. Well, I mean, again, they played two two teams in the ACC. They played NC State and they played Syracuse. They went one and one in those games. I think if they did schedule some more Power Five teams, we're looking at a six and four, seven three, seven and three Liberty team. Uh, they they are not a team that would be. They're not a top ten, top twenty team in the country. 
So moving on along. Guys, <laughs> yeah, here's what we are going to do. Here's what, here's what we are going to do. We're going to go ahead and take a, a break here because we are due for a break. And, and we want to just make sure that we get that done. We also are live on Facebook, so if you're watching this on Facebook right now and you see it's just going to dead silence and kind of doing our own thing, that's what's going on. And so we'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Okay, okay. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, What is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, that went in my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Cooking. Daddy's homeboys. They shall serve no Christ for their time. Welcome back to the balance, everyone. Here we are. We are rocking and rolling. We went and made it to our first commercial break. Uh, so, 
All right, we got some feedback. Thank you if you just type in the Battle of Sports in your Facebook search. Ah, there we go, Rick. <laughs> All right, can everybody hear us? Yeah, I had to meet some things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, maybe I'm the one who has to mute something. Okay, can everybody hear me okay now? Hey, you're good now. No echoes, no feedback, no nothing. I think you're good. I think I knew what happened. Well, yeah. So, but Leave it to the host uh, of the show to not know how technology works. <laughs> <laughs> technology challenge here. We're doing something completely new. And we're we're live on our Facebook page, and, and if you guys will go ahead and hear that Scott and Rick right there and next to you in the chat is the, the link to the uh, Facebook Live. Go ahead and share that on all your social medias, and let's try to get some people to, to chime, chime in here. Let's go ahead and start here in, uh, in this conversation, and we'll get into some more of these other games a little bit later on. Uh, Tony Donahue is going to be joining us at 10 o'clock. We're going to certainly be talking more college football. And, that, and today was really going to be all, all, all along. We had planned for today to be mostly uh, college football. Ed Kraft, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and and our um, uh, official NFL contributor and, S, and works for SI.com, will be joining us at 1030. So we are live. So I want to let you guys know what's coming up here This is as far as the housekeeping thing. Uh, the only ones that are live on Facebook are me and Scott and Rick. So if if we, uh, if you hear us go silent and then respond, it's basically something that we're hearing in our ears on the blog talk uh, sort of uh, uh, of things that helps us. Uh, so you probably might hear us just stop talking and then start talking as if we're talking to somebody else because we are talking to somebody else. We're glad that you're joining us here on uh, Facebook that we can do this. Uh, Scott, we're going to start with you. Let's start with this coaching conversation. Uh, we had Adam on last week or the week before, and we asked him the question, uh, does Urban Meyer go to Texas? And he's like, absolutely freaking not. And talked about the love that, that he has for Ohio State. But we're going to start talking it here for the next half hour or so, or at least 15, 20 minutes, about the college uh, hot seat. Obviously, I know everybody wants to talk about uh, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan and where he's going to go and where he's going to land. But let's start with Urban Meyer. Scott, we'll start with you. Urban Meyer to Texas, true or false? You buying it or, or, or not buying it? I'm not buying it. I mean, first of all, Tom Herman's got to get fired. And if, if Texas wins today, they're going to be 7-3. and three. I just don't know with COVID and everything else going on if that's fireable. And if he does leave, uh, why would Urban Meyer come out of the studio to go coach Texas with all his health concerns that he's had for the last 10, 15 years? And that, that's another very, very valid point because – he literally could, I mean, not to sound dramatic here, but he literally could die on the sidelines. And that's a very that's a very important thing for Texas to think about. I mean, I, I can see why you would want to, whatever power five team that you might be that you want to talk with him, I can see why you would want to talk to him. But, Rick, if, if you're one of these schools making a coaching decision, do you really want to put your money and your stake on a coach that really has some – some health issues, and, and 
it's not a, a knock against him. I feel bad for him, but I agree with Scott. Why would he leave the, the broadcast booth to to have that opportunity? I mean, I don't know. What are, you, what are your thoughts, there, Scott? Right. I mean, he's living the good life now. It's no stress. He still gets to be uh, highly involved and one of the biggest voices in college football. Uh, I, I think he's got it made. I don't see him leaving the booth either. But if Texas was to fire Tom Herman, I think they seriously look at Luke Fickle out of Cincinnati. He's an Urban Meyer guy. He's an Urban Meyer disciple. Uh, I don't know why they would look any further than Luke Fickle. And what he's done at Cincinnati these past couple of years, especially this year. Uh, I, and to me, uh, that he, it, the more and more I think of it, that's a really great fit for him at Texas. So, guys, we are on Facebook Live, and um, we're going to maybe have an issue that we didn't realize and didn't think about. All right, can you guys still hear me on Blog Talk? Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that's what I was afraid of. So what, why has it been happening all this time? You have to mute your Zoom, Tom. Yeah, I know. Yeah, what well, might have been happening all this time on Zoom? So what's the problem? Well, we muted our... our we, we we should be smart enough to figure this out, Rick Riggins. But we muted our mics on Zoom, and we're we're doing the Facebook live feed from Zoom. So I don't know that anybody's been able to hear anything we've been saying. <laughs> that might be. Can we have somebody test that out real quickly? Can somebody go on their Facebook uh, live page and see if you can hear us talk? <laughs> hey Scott, let, let's have the conversation. Let's continue on like this. So we're we're still doing the radio show. Every yeah, there's no audio on Facebook Live, so that's the reason for the no comments. <laughs> Next time. The problem is when we do unmute the mics off of uh, Zoom, then there's this big feedback issue and a delay. Yep. Can't hear anything, Tom. Can't hear him. Can you hear me now? Yep. Okay, guys. We are going to not do Facebook Live. We're going to have to fix this and figure this out because there has been no audio for the last 30 minutes. <laughs> so anybody that may have went on on, on Facebook uh, did not get this. So we are going to end the Facebook Live. But, hey, it was a test, and we did it on the fan page, and that's exactly why we weren't getting any comments. Uh, so but we have to figure out this issue. So – that's your homework, Scott. We're going to put it all on you. Figure it out. All right. We'll see what we can do. 
<laughs> Melissa, can you end the Zoom call, please? Yeah. Okay, can everybody hear me now? Yep, yep. Okay, okay what about... about- Okay, can you guys hear me now? Yes, yes. That really okay, blows. Can you guys hear me? <laughs> yep. Okay, guys. I hear you. We we dealt with our technical difficulties. The show must go on. It's nine o'clock in the morning. It's nine forty four in the morning, Eastern time zone. We'll have this figured out. I promise it's going to be my life's mission this next week, and we'll probably uh, do a test run. We'll do it again next week, and we'll try to make it make it happen. So. Uh, who wants to take responsibility for the the absolute failure of this mission? Uh, I think that falls on the on the uh, producer there, Tom. <laughs> oh no, I don't know if it's the producer. I think it's probably more the host. The producer, is, the producer is kind of just going along with whatever the host said. All right, guys. <laughs> we'll we'll make we'll make it up to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think it all falls on me, and I'll, I will I will fall on the sword on this. But guess what? It's all fun because if people are listening to the podcast, they're having fun with us. And so hey, here's it, here's it, what I'll say, Tom, real quick. On Facebook Live, it actually looked good. It did. It looked good. It, it did exactly realized. what we wanted it to do, except for the audio. Yeah. So and I know how to fix that. I just can't fix it while we're all on the air. Right. So I promise you, it'll. I promise you and ever on all of our listeners that it'll be great next week. I promise you. I know what the problem is. It's just it, it's. Uh, we have to do it a little bit differently. Uh, so I, I I know what the what the problem is, and and so it will be fixed. But I just can't fix it on on this fly here. But but so Scott, how's that meet you with Snoke? <laughs> What's it? Oh, it's great! It's we're, sitting in the cooler. That's what we right call now. pivot in, in, in the in, in the industry. We're just pivoting to a new conversation. Yep, I pulled it about I know, I know you, this morning and it's resting. <laughs> yeah, and Rick, we're going to do it again tonight. But me and Melissa and Scott and Sarah, we did virtual shots last night because um, we were all supposed to be together this weekend. We were supposed to have all kinds of shenanigans last night and possibly even tonight, but our friend COVID uh, stepped in the way and, and, and kept that from uh, kept that from happening. Uh, so we'll do that again tonight, and 
I uh, sent a I sent a text to Ed last night and said if he wanted to join us, he was more than welcome. He said he's still wor- working, and he did say to tell the gang hi, and he'll be joining us here at ten thirty. Let's go ahead and get into this uh, back into the conversation, guys. As uh, again, let me just reiterate, we're not doing Facebook Live. And Alyssa, if you could uh, just uh, tell people to not go to that link anymore, that'd be great. Um, so let's get back into the college football. Uh, coaching uh, conversation. The other big elephant in the room, guys, obviously is Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. I think we all have a unanimous decision or thought process that Jim Harbaugh will be going somewhere else. Does that mean that he's going to retire or does he go back to the pros? Let's start with you, Scott. Uh, I would see him going back to the NFL. Uh, If he was going to have success in college football, it was going to be at Michigan, his alma mater. That was was his uh, life choice and coaching dream job, and he wasn't able to make it happen. Uh, complete failure since he's been there. Uh, recruiting schedules can't beat a rival. Uh, if he goes anywhere and he has a desire to do it, I think he goes back to the NFL, but we might see him in, in the in the studio booth next next year. Rick, what are your thoughts here on Jim Harbaugh? Um, getting fired or, or just not not coming back? One well, I don't think they – I don't think they fire him. I think they just mutually agree to part ways, you know, that whole thing, because Jim Harbaugh, you know, it's that's one of their sons, you know. So I, I don't think they just tell him to kick rocks, you know. I think they just mutually part ways. It doesn't hurt anything because he's only got one more year on his contract anyway. So it, uh, he actually has some odds. If you look at the Vegas odds, to become the Lions head coach. So uh, I, I don't think that happens either. I think, they, yeah. I think they, uh, if we want to go that route, I think the Lions will end up hiring Robert Salee from a, the, he's the defensive coordinator from the 49ers. Uh, I think well, Eric, the enemy, is going to end up going to the Texans, getting the Texans job. But, uh, yeah, he's got odds yeah. of being the uh, next Lions head coach. <laughs> well, at least he won't have to leave the state, I guess, you know. You know, it, but, but here's the thing. From here on out, every game that Michigan plays is going to be a referendum on – Jim Harbaugh, and he's, I, I feel like he's an excellent coach. I mean, he's a former Colt also. I mean, we can't hate the guy, but he's just not lived up to the expectations that were that were uh, set by him. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Rick, uh, next guy in the hot seat here that we're talking about is Derek Mason with Vanderbilt, but I do believe he's already been fired. Is that yeah, he's already been, he's already been fired. Though, I have some thoughts on that whole process, and 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 I, and I think this whole whole thing with the grill kicker. Now I'm not trying to be a male chauvinist pig here, uh, but I think this that whole thing was set up as a PR move, and that if the if the grill kicker had worked out, that maybe he would have said. I I think there's a link between Derek Mason and the grill kicker at Vanderbilt. Being the, no, get me wrong, history was made, but. She was just a soccer kicker, and, and don't make—I don't mean that bad towards soccer kickers, but it's that's definitely de- completely different if you're going to kick in uh, uh, college football. Scott, what do you think that there's a link between Derek Mason and the female kicker? No, I don't think there's a link. Uh, a link. I mean, she's Sarah Fuller. She's a goalkeeper on a conference championship soccer team. Uh, I wish they would have had her kick off and do a true kickoff last week instead of a squib kick, but she's actually kicking again uh, for Vanderbilt. Uh, so she's still on the roster, and she's and hopefully we get to see her kick a couple more times and see if she's for real or not. 
All right, guys, next person on the line here is Eric Oregon. Eric Oregon. Uh, I mean, the Tigers weren't expected to. I know. I, mean, I always have problems with names. I'm going to put Rick in charge of saying names. Uh, but they weren't. They really weren't expected to do anything major. But this season has been a series of very unfortunate events, which I think puts Ed on the hot seat. Uh, Rick? Yeah, Ed's nowhere near any hot seat. Uh, He's basically just about won himself a lifetime contract to LSU now. Uh, Look at everything they lost from from that team last year. And, uh, I mean, they're they're three and three right now. So uh, it's Orgeron, by the way, is how you pronounce his last name. And uh, he's going to get some years to to rebuild now after losing Burrow, after losing Grant Delpit. I mean, uh, uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire. Look at all these studs that just he lost off of the off of that team. Uh, he he's going to get some rebuilding years here now, and uh, I think they're going to be back to being a, a contender again. Not next season, but the season after. Uh, he's just got to get his players back in in place here because uh, uh, he's on he's nowhere near uh, the hot seat. Well, we know one thing: he's having fun off uh, off the field, as as some of you guys saw. Why would you though? Why would you? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he was not he was not practicing social distancing in that in that particular uh, picture. <laughs> Scott or John uh, or Geron. You can so, say Coach O. Uh, he, yeah, Coach, Coach O. o. So he's, he's, he's one year removed from a national championship with one of the best college football teams of all time. He had a ton of turnover, especially at the quarterback position. He's not going anywhere as far as job security goes in that regard. Uh, but with all these scandals in the last couple of months about harassment and bullying at LSU under his watch, it's not Rick Pitino level at Penn State, but it could become fireable as they, this investigation goes on down there at LSU. Well, you know, here, here's the other uh, coach that I feel like the 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 fire might be heating up a little bit on their seat. I mean, despite the 0-6 record, uh, it's not as bad as you might see on paper. But I mean, Les Miles, Rick, his seat his, his seat is definitely starting to get a little warm. If you're Kansas, though, I mean, do you just fire Les Miles? He's like the highest profile coach you've ever had in the history of, of that place. And I, I don't know what uh, – Scott would know better than me there in the Big 12, what he's got to go against in recruiting in that conference. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know if he just fire Les Miles, you know, after a couple seasons here. I think he gets a couple more. Scott, what are your, it, your thoughts on Les Miles? It, it, is, it is tough to recruit at Kansas. They are a basketball school. The fact that they were able to hire Les Miles in the first place was shocking. Uh if, if you if you fire less miles, you're not replacing him with anybody better. It's just hard right. to recruit and compete at right. Kansas in football. No, I, I I agree with you. So here's some of the other coaches that we have on the list here that probably is going to make it through the year, but at the same time they they need to start looking at 2021, 2022 as they've got to do something better or they're they're, they're hot seat or their seat could start uh, heating up. And let's start with Clay Helton out of USC. Uh, We'll start with you, Scott, on that. What what are your thoughts on Clay Helton out there at USC? A lot of people are already starting to say, hey, he's got to go. But I think he makes it at least through this year and into next year. Yeah, I mean, it was hard to 
be hard to defend firing over there in the Pac-12. He, they're they're 3-0, and and they're top 20 in the country right now. Uh, but they're not going to get more than five games, six games maybe tops. Uh, but they are undefeated. Uh, I don't think his seat's hot. Uh, if they were underperforming coming out the gate, then maybe. But they're right where they're supposed to be. They're 3-0 and and uh, can go up to Sandy's and still be in the uh, conversation for a Pac-12 championship. Rick, what are your thoughts on Clay Helton out of USC? Yeah, he'll keep his job after this year uh, because they are undefeated and the Pac-12 will will play the COVID card, you know, if we're not firing him. But he has, he's been on the hot seat this past couple of years. The fan base isn't happy. But it, I don't think it's just him either. I think it's just, it, it's it's the athletic director. It, it's it's the other things involved with USC that's just, it's keeping that program down now these past few years. Uh, it, it's not just Clay Helton, it, it, but he'll take the fall for it. But they have bigger problems, just the head coaching problem at USC. So let's move on to the next one, which I kind of think that, that his seat's a lot hotter than what a lot of people think it is. We talked about him earlier, and that's Tom Herman in Texas. Does he does he go or does he go? Or he almost has to go, but he's gotten some recent wins. So really, he's kind of like balanced himself out. So maybe he doesn't get fired. Yeah, I, I like I said earlier, I, I'm not sure if he gets fired after this year. If he, if he does, and I think Luke Fickle is like the perfect fit there. Uh, but once again, you know, they're seven and three, like Scott said. Uh, I don't, you, I don't know if you fire a coach a, after a, a season like they're having now. You know, being seven and three, I mean, they win they be eight and three after today. Uh, that's well, that's that's pretty well, good. Well, yeah, they're, I don't they're, think they're five and three guy. right now. Oh, five and three. All right, so. I know the fan base is upset. I mean, uh, that fan base is comparable to, like, the Notre Dame fan base. If we lose three games, I mean, the coach has got to be fired immediately. Uh, but, you know, we've had these years with Brian Kelly and stuck it out with him, and now look what the program is now. They're 41-6 and six over the past four years. Uh, I think that stuff under Tom Herman is still a possibility at Texas, but – it, it's the fan base. Uh, it, it's the boosters there. What do the boosters think? Is this, I think it's at Texas, it's the boosters that make those calls. Scott, what are your thoughts Don, on Tom we... Herman? Uh, so, you know, yeah, so they're five and three with the potential to go to seven and three. Uh, and then I don't – so, so we have all these rumors about Urban Meyer. Tom Herman's an Urban Meyer disciple. So do you really want to fire Tom Herman to go and get Urban Meyer? You're going to get the same 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 coach. You're going to get his mentor. Uh, but if they finish up at 7-3, and three, I don't think you fire him. All right, guys, let's move on to Randy So We don't talk a lot about Connecticut as far as football goes. And, you know, since uh, uh, 2017, he's only 6-30. and 30, But does he uh, – does he have a second stint in his future there at UConn, uh, Randy Edsel? Scott? Yeah, UConn's another one of those where uh, you're, you're a basketball school, you're not a football school. Uh, UConn hasn't played a game yet this year, so uh, are you going to fire your coach when they haven't been able to go on and put a product on the field? Uh, I just I don't know. Rick, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, if they haven't played this year, then there's nothing to fire the coach for. So I don't think he's on the hot seat there. Uh, UConn's a school's impossible to re- to recruit to. Uh, 
I know like 10 years ago, and it was still the Big East, and it was Dan Rutgers and West Virginia, all undefeated, and they all ended up beating each other. That was like the best season UConn's ever had, and the best season Rutgers has ever had for that matter. Uh, if they're still going back and looking at that season and comparing it like the team and coaches now from that, then yeah, he's on the hot seat, but I don't think that's fair, and he shouldn't be on the hot seat. I mean, it's Randy Etzel. He's like a, he's up there with a, as far as being a coach in college football, he's up there with like Nick Saban and Brian Kelly. He, he's been a, a head coach for like 15, 20 years in college football. So, I mean, he's a very experienced guy. He's probably the highest profile coach UConn's ever had. You know, now we're talking about Les Miles in Kansas. So, and they haven't played this year, so there's no way he gets fired. You know, Rick, we at the beginning of the season, I think a lot of people were saying, you know, it's time for Chip Kelly to leave UCLA. Uh, but certainly his dominating win over Cal on Sunday was huge. Uh, for the first time, uh, Kelly in three seasons, uh, the Bruins were, were at 500. So maybe that conversation about moving on from uh, Chip Kelly is, is starting to, uh, to cool down a little bit. Yeah, uh- Maybe they're trying. He's trying to recapture the uh, Oregon years, but uh, yet, I mean, there's only one team, like you've said before a couple times over the past few years. There's one team in LA as far as college football goes, and that goes, and that's USC. So they got to compete with that. And uh, I don't know, if Chip Kelly. He, it's well documented. He hates recruiting. I mean, I don't know how you build a, a program if you don't want to recruit. So I would not hire a guy based off of that. But uh, I think his NFL years were uh, were a failure. He's great at Oregon, obviously. I don't think because of the way things have changed in college football that he can recapture that uh, that, that Oregon run at, at UCLA. So it's going to be tough to recruit against USC in that area. Uh, I think he keeps his job after this year. Uh, next year is when he'll be under the microscope. Scott, what are your thoughts on Chip Kelly in UCLA? Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's going anywhere. I mean, conceptually, he's one of the, the best college football coaches out there. It takes him a, a while to get his system in place and get the players to buy into what he does. Uh, they're starting to compete recruiting with USC in the state of California uh, and Stanford. Uh, I don't think he goes anywhere. I think he gets another year to get this thing going. Guys, this is the balance. I apologize that we weren't able to do the Facebook Live like we had originally thought. We tested it out for about a half hour, and we were sitting around talking without any audio. So, you know, we live we, we live and learn, and it is what it is. Uh, we'll be back right here in the second hour. We're going to continue our college football uh, conversation about the coaches and getting more games of the week. Also, Tony Donahue is scheduled to join us from the Tony D Podcast. And coming up later in the last quarter of the show, Ed Crack, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and SI.com, our official NFL contributor, joins us. We'll be right back, right here on the Balance Radio Network. Ain't no way that
National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Unbelievable. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mates. Ow, they're my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. All right, and welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Michael Sal Presidente. Joining us also is Rick Riggin. And uh, Scott Lamb and also Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. Tony, how are you, sir? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. Well, we, we, we thought we were going to be able to do a little bit of Facebook Live earlier today. We had, the, we had the picture good, but something was screwy with the audio, and we didn't have any audio. So we had to end the Facebook Live thing. So it's all good, but we all survived. Uh, we're, we're talking, uh, Rick and Scott and I were talking a little bit before the break about coaches that were on the hot seat. We just got done talking about Chip Kelly, well, I'll t- I'll, and I'll let you throw in some of the names that we've already talked about. And that's Jim Harbaugh, Urban uh, Meyer going to, to Texas, uh, Tom Herman getting fired, Derek Mason getting fired in the link between him and maybe that, fe- uh, that female ki- uh, kicker, uh, and Les Miles, and a, a few others. But uh, as far as the, the – uh, and we just got done talking about Chip Kelly, but coaches that are on the hot seat, what are your thoughts, uh, Tony? Yeah, what about that uh, rumor that was going around where Jim Harbaugh was going to go take over the Detroit Lions and then Urban Meyer would go to Michigan? And I thought, well, you know, Urban Meyer might be better suited to just take the jump to the NFL. But, I mean, you look at Les Miles at Kansas, and, I mean, it's it's just a revolving door of coaches down there. It's always going to be a basketball school. They rarely compete, you know, in, in the Big 12. And it's just like, all right, you got a guy in Les Miles who was a really good coach. He had success at LSU. Do you just go ahead and dump him off and say, see you later? 
but, you know, at the end of the day, you got to look at is it, is it a program problem or is it a coaching problem? And I think in Kansas, uh, it's certainly a program problem when it comes to that's always going to be a basketball school. And you would, and it's kind of how IU was. IU kind of stepped out of the shadows and, and, and has found some, some, some life and some hope. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, okay, I'm at Kansas. Can I go somewhere else? Great. Are you going to fire me? Great. You know, you're going to bring in another guy for three years and you're going to firing him. So, um, yeah, I mean, the coach's hot seat's always a little warm this time of the year, right? <laughs> always. And it's always fun to ignite that fire when we, when we can. Uh, Rick, let's go on to our next guy out in Nebraska. You and I talked about this earlier on, I mean, late last year and early this year, that Scott Frost, you know, really was not what who he thought he was when he first started there in Nebraska. Remember, Rick and I, you and I were like all about that. We said, oh, well, this is a good good hire. Something, something went awry. But, I mean, how bad did, did uh, Frost need that win uh, against Penn State? That quarterback change may have saved his, his job up there in Nebraska, Rick. Scott, we might have dropped off. He's going to call back in. Okay, go right ahead. We lost Rick. He's going to call back in. Go ahead, Scott. What are your thoughts on, on Scott Frost? Well, this isn't the same Nebraska football school that we had back in the 80s and 90s. Uh, Frost is the right person for the job, but Nebraska's problem is they're not recruiting the state of Texas like they used to two, dec- two decades ago, uh, and that's and that's hurting them. It's a great football area great football school uh but they're just not the same it's not the same team that we had 25 30 years ago and i think that's it's more of a nebraska recruiting problem than it is a scott frost problem tony what are your thoughts on scott frost there in nebraska well i think he's an ass to kind of start things off but yeah i mean i just think everything's (laughs) caught up in nebraska you know in 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 the 90s they were the powerhouse and everybody wanted to go to nebraska but 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 as just mentioned you know, Texas has caught up. Iowa has caught up. Look how good Iowa State is this year and has been consistent. Even the Baylors of the world can think of, you know, the way that the Big 12 has recruited. And then you move over to the Big 10, and all of a sudden, you know, you are playing so far away from home. If, if you're from Nebraska, you know, going to places like Rutgers, going to places like Michigan State, and they just haven't been able to, 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 to compete in that world. Um, you know, the, the, yes, they have had good teams, but at the end of the day, they haven't been a national powerhouse. And, and I think you could say almost over 20 years, if not more. And, you know, you, you've got to be able to recruit better. And you, you look at the teams that are in that, I guess, central part of the, of the country, the Colorados, the Iowa, Iowa State. You can even drop down to, to, to Missouri and, and Texas. Um, they've just kind of all caught up to where Nebraska was in the 90s, and they just simply aren't where they were. And, you know, when you kind of put yourself in that bubble to where, hey, yeah, you, you, you're from Nebraska, come play at Nebraska. But, hey, well, you know, one weekend we got to fly to New Jersey so your parents can't come watch. Or, hey, one week we got to go. You know, it's just, just a bad place to be to be a Big Ten football school. Let's go to another. It's going to lead us right into our games that we're going to talk about in our final one, and that's Jimbo Fisher. Scott, let's talk a little bit about Jimbo Fisher. Certainly the projection was that if Jimbo didn't show some improvement in 2020, he'd be under pressure. I mean, for no other reason, he's getting a guaranteed $75 million over the next 10 years. And there have been some improvements that have been made. So let's talk about Jimbo Fisher and also the big game that he's got against Auburn today. Uh, yeah, Jimbo. I mean, so he's almost – he's showing his worth for that money. If they can sneak into the college football playoff, then, I mean, it's money well spent because the amount of money that will bring into the school – alone that's going to pay for his entire salary uh 
but they yeah great great uh start to the year uh they got a great win over florida their only blemish is against alabama uh i think there's just going to be a sneaky game today for auburn i think auburn's going to win at home uh they got out, they came out the blocks slow they and all three of their losses are on the road uh they struggled in their second game against georgia uh, squeaked by arkansas and then lost at south carolina and other than that, I mean, other than a loss at Alabama, they played really well at home, and they really played really help, really well their second half of the season. I'm going to take Auburn to win this game today at home. Tony, what are your thoughts? Jim Bell Fisher, and if, if he loses today, being ranked number five against Auburn, do you think that, that might move the needle, or do you think that he, his, his job's probably okay for right now? But it, after all, again, he is getting paid a guaranteed $75 million. Yeah, Jimbo Fisher's not going anywhere. I mean, he's he's going to be there for a while. Um, he's He's got probably where they, they really haven't been, as far as I can remember, into the top five. As mentioned, they only lost Alabama, an impressive win over Florida. Uh, but I agree. I think they're going to go into Auburn and have some problems today. But as far as Jim Fisher being on the being on the hot seat, no, they're still going to probably make a solid bowl game. Even if they lose today, you'll be able to take care of business the last two games of the year against Tennessee and Ole Miss. That'll set yourself up nicely for something along the lines of the Citrus Bowl, maybe the Outback Bowl. Maybe they match up with an IU team in the Outback Bowl, depending on kind of where the dominoes fall and how IU finishes out their season. But, but yeah, Texas A&M, probably one of their better seasons over the last – I mean, even I think better than when they had Johnny Manziel there in the mid-2010. So, uh, Jimbo Fisher's safe, but I do have I, – I do like the pick of Auburn getting a win today at home over Texas A&M. Joining us now again is Rick Riggin. Uh, thanks for calling back in, Rick. Uh, uh, we're just uh, talking about Jimbo Fisher, uh, A&M, and the Auburn game today. Scott thinks that Auburn's going to win that game. Is this a must-win for Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher? Uh, what are your What are your thoughts, uh, Rick? It's a must-win for A&M because uh, they have an argument right now for uh, beating Florida, and they're ranked fifth. That's the reason why they're fifth. If they want a chance in the college football playoff, uh, it's it's a must win. I don't think it's. I think Tony's right. It's not a must win for Jimbo Fisher. He's not going anywhere. Uh, if you guys take an Auburn, I'm going to take A&M uh, in this one. Uh, I like the way Kellen Munn has been playing these past few weeks. Uh, I think he gets it done. I know that when he was a freshman, we was thinking this kid might be uh, a Heisman contender. Uh, for some reason, these past couple of years, he hasn't really progressed that way. But these past few weeks, uh, he's been playing lights out. I think A&M goes in and uh, they, they 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 keep the season going and they get a win today. Tony, we talked about this earlier, uh, and, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, the Big Ten is going to find a way to put Ohio State in the Big Ten championship, despite what they said they wouldn't be eligible. Uh, what are your thoughts? They play Michigan State today, but what are your thoughts about Ohio State getting into the Big Ten championship? Well, I mean, it just depends on if Michigan wants to look and say, ah, we're going to screw over our biggest rival and not play this game. Um, And therefore, when that happens, all of a sudden Ohio State hasn't played enough games to get into the college football playoff, get into the Big Ten game, and then boom. So that's kind of been the rumor that's been going on, that Michigan would cancel that last game of the year. You know, going down to Ohio State, Michigan will probably have nothing to play for, seeing as – Right now they're two and four, and they've got their canceled. I mean that's their last game of the year, so they're not really playing to go to a bowl game. So so why risk injury? Now the flip side of that coin is there's all the money sharing going on, and and, and the Big Ten Conference wanting to get Ohio State into the Big Ten championship game to give them a chance to go to 
the college football playoff, and, and some of that revenue gets shared back to the Big Ten. So uh, we shall see. And, and you're going to call me crazy, and you're going to say, oh, well, you know, that's nuts. But it's not, a, it's not a gimme game today for Ohio State at Michigan State. Yeah, I know Michigan State struggled. They're two and three on the year. Um, but, they, but they proved that Northwestern was overrated last week. Yeah, they got trounced by Iowa and Indiana. But I, I think this Michigan State team is healthier than what they were when they played IU and when they played Iowa. Um, so I, think this game, I, I still think Ohio State's going to win. But I don't think it's going to be that dominating victory where, where people say, oh, oh, Ohio State is certainly a top four team. I think at the end of the day we're saying, well, you know, Ohio State played, you know, let IU play with them, hung around. You know, they've had a couple weeks off. You know, they've, they've only played two games in the last month. They, they were a little bit slow. So, I don't expect Ohio State to jump out of the gates today and be world beaters against Michigan State. Rick uh, and Scott, what are you guys' thoughts? Uh, Rick, we'll start with you. What are your, your thoughts about there being a needle change in the, in the college football playoffs? And if so, where does it happen? Does it happen at Ohio State? Or maybe does it happen in Notre Dame? We'll start with you, Rick. Uh, what do you mean by needle change? Just uh, bumping them either down to three or four, or even out of out of the uh, playoff uh, picture. I don't think that's going to happen with Notre Dame. But do you think that they could move down oh, from number man. two to number three or yeah, four? Yeah, as, as as long as Notre Dame doesn't lose by, you know, they keep it under forty against Clemson. I, mean, I think they're they're a lock uh, for the playoff. Uh, as far as Ohio State, uh, Tony just mentioned it, and it's been the thing. I think Michigan. Um, might wave the white flag and, and, and try to keep them out of the, uh, the Big Ten title game next week and just keep them holding the five games. But like we said, there's been some talk that if that happens uh, and IU Northwestern go to the title game instead, Ohio State and Wisconsin are going to play a shadow Big, uh, Big Ten championship game on December 19th at the conference lets that happen. So that's been the talk. That's been the big rumor. I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, it's just what the committee thinks. Uh, the committee thinks that Ohio State is one of the top four teams, but like we saw in these last rankings and the talk of the uh, committee president, uh, the lack of measurement is what they're up against now, and that's becoming an issue. So if they only end with five games, regular season games, that might bump them out. Scott, uh, we'll let you uh, 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 uh monster here, but what are, what are your thoughts on the, the uh, uh, college football pitcher, especially as it pertains to – Ohio State and possibly Notre Dame, but certainly Ohio State. Yeah, I, Alabama and Notre Dame are locks for that, that one and two spot. I, it doesn't matter. I, I'm barring an earth-shattering upset today by Syracuse, Notre Dame is in regardless of what happens in the ACC championship game. Uh, Clemson, obviously, they lose their out. That's going to open a spot. And Ohio State has to look really good this week and then hope they're playing Michigan next week if they want in. If they're only going to the – if the, the the committee's looking at them and they only have four or five games on their schedule, uh, they're not going to put them in over maybe a, a Florida who can somehow sneak and win the SEC championship, A&M who could win out and possibly take that spot, but they're not putting in a four or five win team into the playoff, I don't think. Tony, let's put on the homer hat here. Indiana is at Wisconsin. Of course, Indiana's 12, dropped down to 12. Uh, Wisconsin's at 16. A big win if Indiana was able to get it up in Madison today. Uh, that, I think, is going to show huge things for Indiana in their, in their bowl selection. But does it not also, again, uh, show that Indiana has a place 
in the Big Ten in 2020. I mean, yeah, but I, I don't know if that's going to happen. You know, when Penix went out, I think everybody just kind of, yeah, you know, the, the, the trivial air went out of the balloon and, and people just kind of knew that, man, you know, this was our this was our opportunity, this was our chance, and now that's gone. So, um, you know, I, I think with IU, the way that you need to look at the season is simply um, been a good one play respectable with Wisconsin. Maybe you could beat them. I mean, I'm not saying that they can't, but I, but I think Wisconsin being a, a two-touchdown favorite kind of shows you uh, where, where, where Vegas stands on that. Beat Purdue, you know, end up ranked 18th, 19th, or 20th, and, and get yourself into a good bowl game, you know, maybe down in Florida, whether it's the Citrus Bowl or the Outback Bowl, um, you know, and, 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 you, and you look back on the year and you're going to say, what if, what, what could have been had we had beaten Ohio State or what could have been had we won out and only lost one game, and Pennick stayed healthy. So, uh, you know, good good season for IU. I think what's most important for IU isn't just this season and what they've done. It's putting seasons together consistent, consistently where you play good football. You know, come back next year and make it to another solid bowl game. Make steps in the right direction. Don't be the IU teams that everybody's used to where, oh, you get one flash in the pan season, and then the next year you're back to being four and six. So I think what's more important – then getting to a bowl game is just are you putting a few consistent years together and and and, and a lot of people could say this is consistent year number two after going to um, the bowl game out in California last year against Tennessee, but just just put it together for three to four years and 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 let Tom Allen continue to do his thing. Scott, let's start. Let's move the the needle. Or what are the odds? And I just kind of created a, yesterday. I kind of just created my own little. Uh, betting card. Uh, I think we're in week 12. Uh, I haven't really put any money on it, but it just I thought these would be games that we would talk about. We just got done talking about Indiana and Ohio State, and certainly Vegas. Uh, I mean, I said Ohio State. I meant uh, Wisconsin. My fault. Uh, Indiana and Wisconsin. What are your thoughts there? Man, this is this is an absolute terrible matchup for Indiana after losing Penix. Uh, Indiana has. Other, you know, they have great skilled position players at receiver and running back, but this is a Wisconsin defense that only gives up 67 yards rushing the ball, and you still have to have a quarterback that can get those skilled positions the ball. And I, I this is just this is just absolutely horrible for Indiana to have to go up here after losing Penix. Uh, no, we we saw Northwestern hold Wisconsin to seven points, so a defense, a solid defense, can shut them down. IU's got an opportunistic defense. We've seen it in multiple games, but they don't have a Northwestern style. Defense. I think they're going to go out there and struggle today. Rick, do you have any thoughts on IU and Wisconsin? I mean, it's the same as uh, Tony and Scott just said. Uh, the, the Penix injury is, is the season killer. Uh, it's not going to go well today against Wisconsin. And I'll agree with Tony. If, the, if they can string together some uh, seasons here, that's going to help uh, real big in recruiting these next few years because if they can win on a consistent basis, then that opens the, the eyes uh, up for uh, recruiting, you know, they say success breeds success. So if Tom Alec is string together some solid seasons like he's having this year and keep doing it over the next two or three years, they'll do a lot better in the uh, the world of recruiting. And IU will be a, a a solid team in the Big Ten. So I think they're in a good place. Uh, the program's going in the right direction. If they can string together these, these good seasons like this, not being the flash in the pan like uh, Tony said, uh, I think Tom Allen is a, a – He's a lot better coach than I thought he would be when he first got to IU. And uh, I I love his coaching style. I love his energy. 
and uh, they keep putting these seasons together, uh, then down the road here next couple of years, they're going to be kind of a, a pesky uh, team. I don't know if pesky is the right word, but a force in the Big Ten isn't the right word either. But I think that uh, they're going to be a solid program, one you don't want to play. Uh, but as far as today's game, today's game goes, uh, losing Penix, that that killed the season. Uh, so that two-touchdown uh, favor Wisconsin is, I think that's the way it's going to go for IU today. Next game on the on the betting card so far, and that's Alabama at LSU. We'll start with you, Tony. I think that a lot of people just want to watch this game. So by just by pure uh, who who's playing in this game, we talked about Coach O earlier. Uh, maybe his seat's not as hot as a lot of people would think it would be, just because he's one year out of a, a, a national championship and he's got some time to do some rebuilding. But because of what a good matchup this is, I think uh, Vegas is paying a lot of attention to it. So Alabama and LSU, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you're a 30-point favorite going to the national champions from a year ago. Obviously, a lot has changed. Joe Burrow's gone. Uh, Ogeron is fine. I mean, he's going to be there for years and years to come. You win a national championship, that at least buys you four to five years. And they kind of knew coming off the national championship, losing their number one pick in the NFL draft and their quarterback, a lot of the offensive line, what was it? Six or seven LSU players were selected in the top uh, first round of last year's NFL draft. So it's hard to replace those guys and those NFL type guys. And obviously LSU knows that. And, 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 and the, uh, the athletic department down there knows that um, if you're, if you're Alabama, you know, just stay healthy. You know, you're not really worried about the spread. Just get a victory, get out of there. Uh, I don't think they're going to – I don't think they're going to go in there and absolutely blow them out, but I could see a 37-17 type game. Um, I, don't, I don't know if they cover 30 points. That's a lot to me. Uh, but, but, again, look for Alabama to win out the rest of the season. But then, I mean, that's going to be a very interesting match because I think the one team that has a chance to maybe compete with Alabama in the SEC would be Florida. And, yes, Florida has the – has the blemish blemish at Texas A&M where they struggled throughout the game uh, and lost down the stretch um, in a very close, tight ball game. But but Florida with Kyle Trask, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, You know, Pitts is the best tight end by far. He'll be a top-12 pick in the NFL draft. I see Florida winning out to set up a big matchup with Alabama in the SEC championship game. And I think think Florida matches up as the number six team in the country a lot better than what Alabama maybe – well, people – against Alabama, and if Florida were to win out and to beat Alabama in the SEC championship game, then it's like, okay, Florida gets in. you got to put Bama in. Notre Dame probably going to be in, and then it's a battle between Clemson and Ohio State, or maybe it's a battle between Notre Dame and Clemson, and they say, well, Clemson hooked up. If Notre Dame were to lose to Clemson in the ACC championship game, you say, well, Clemson hung tough with Notre Dame, went a couple overtimes without Trevor Lawrence. Then they beat him in the ACC championship game. Let's go Clemson, Florida, Alabama, you know, and Ohio State maybe. So uh, there's still a lot of uh, a lot of coins to be flipped here over the next couple of weeks. Scott, what are your thoughts? Uh, our, our next uh, game on the, the betting card here, and that's Alabama and LSU. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you're getting you're getting 30 points going into Death Valley. Who would who would ever see a number like that, especially after LSU's game or season last year? Uh, here's the deal with LSU: they've only had two home games so far, and I mean, you talk about a murderer's row of a schedule. They had A&M last week, Alabama this week, and then Florida next week. It's just horrendous. They've had six road games. Uh, I 
but in their two games that they have played at home, they were competitive. They put up four, they put up 34 to Mississippi State, lost that season opener. That was a, a huge letdown for them. Uh, and then they smashed South Carolina and put up over 50 on the board. Uh, I think LSU will compete at home. Uh, they're not going to win this game, but that line of 30 points in Death Valley is way too much. Rick, let's go on to our next game uh, on the on the betting card here, and I think this is going to be a very close game, Oklahoma State versus Texas uh, Christian, and I really think it's going to be a really, really close game. I think the spread is only two, two and a half, uh, Oklahoma State versus Texas Christian. What say you, Rick? Well, Oklahoma State's about the only team that plays defense, right, in the Pac-12, or the Big 12, so uh, – you know, I don't really follow these two teams that, that much other than Chuba Hubbard. Uh, yeah, at one time was, you know, maybe the best running back in the country. Uh, I'm going to pick TCU in this game because I, I there's no consistency with the Oklahoma State this year. You know, at one time they, they were like the conference's only chance of making the playoff, but now they've taken, what, a loss or two. So there, there's been no consistency. Uh, I, I don't really – I'm not real big on their offense. They do play a little bit of defense. I, I think uh, – this is a game that TCU uh, will, will win. Tony, what are your thoughts on this game? Uh, is it really going to be probably a close game, uh, Oklahoma State and TCU? Yeah, I mean, TCU is a team that, you know, hasn't really been good at home. They're one and three at home. They're three and one on the road. So that's kind of why it's like, okay, wait a minute here. But, yeah, you know, as you mentioned, Oklahoma State was supposed to be this team that, had the ability to beat Oklahoma this year and to move forward and to possibly contend. Uh, And and they've had a good year, but it hasn't been kind of their expectations. Iowa State coming out of kind of nowhere, excuse me, to a lot of people, and they're the number one team in the conference right now. So this will be a good game. I think it's going to be a smash-mouth type game. Give me me Oklahoma State on the last-second field goal as I lose my voice here. (laughs) I understand, no problem. And let's go on to the, our last game on the betting card here because we're about out of time here for college football. We'll go to you, Scott. Uh, Big Ten matchup, Nebraska versus Purdue. This is going to be a pretty close game, but I think Nebraska uh, pulls it off. But I think the, the, the spread is still only in Nebraska by, by two. So the spread is only somewhere around two uh, for Nebraska. Scott. Yeah, this is – I mean, there, there's not a whole lot to, to watch in this one. you got – you got two of the the bottom feeders over there in the in the Big Twelve West, uh, and basically just for bragging rights to see which team comes out of this and gets close to five hundred. Uh, I'm going to take Purdue in this one over Nebraska. Rick, do you have any thoughts on Purdue and Nebraska? Oh, what does Nebraska think of Scott Frost? We talk about programs, football teams, and their favorite sons. We talk about Michigan we, and, and Jim Harbaugh. We talked about. Will they will they actually? Will they actually fire Harbaugh? I don't, I don't think so. But will Nebraska actually fire Scott Frost? We talk about the uh, the hot seat here. Uh, is he on the on the hot seat? Well, we talked about that earlier. Unfortunately, that was during the time when you had to jump off and call back. Uh, but our, our consensus is right now we it's it's and, and Scott and Tony, you might chime in on this, but I, I think that he doesn't get fired. Uh, Tony, is that what you thought? May not happen. Probably wouldn't happen. I mean, we'll see. I mean, Nebraska is, as we already talked about, not where it was. But, but I think today's a day where Purdue gets the win. You know, Purdue's still setting themselves up for a bowl game. You know, they've got guys at Rondell Moore uh, and David Bell that are that are high that are big time players in that conference, and they're looking to make a solid bowl game. 
they think they have a chance to, you know, to go beat Nebraska and then and then take on IU, you know, for the old Oaken bucket and get themselves into a nice bowl game. So there's so much football yet to be played, so much stakes left. A lot of these teams have two and three games left, which is crazy to say as we, you know, are here in early December. Normally conference championship games, you know, start kicking off this time. You know, but we'll we'll see. But I I, I think you got to look at Scott Frost definitely being on the hot seat. Scott, let's talk about maybe the lock of the week for the last game. I I kind of think that if you go with Central Michigan over Ball State, you're going to make some money in that game. But you're the expert. What are your thoughts on if that, if I made that my lock of the week? Uh, Ball State versus Central Michigan. Uh, Central Michigan uh, over Ball State at, at two and a half. At, at two and a half, you're gonna make that your your luck. Hey, I, I, I'm a novice. You're the expert. <laughs> well, if you wanted the lock of the week, you might have to go look at that that Alabama 30 point spread against LSU. But uh, I so one of the games that I'm excited about talking about some Michigan is Western Michigan and Eastern Michigan. I think that could be a really fun game today. The over under is 66, and I'm taking the over on that. Uh, it could be an exciting 80 90 point game to watch. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for college football. Tony, are you going to stick around and talk some NFL with us, or do you got to go? I can I can stick around for a little bit, yep. All right, fantastic. We'll be back with Ed Kraft, speed writer for the Philadelphia Eagles at SI.com, and we'll be uh, finishing up uh, the, the show today uh, with uh, our NFL talk. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Okay, okay. I can't believe it. I've been playing four on four with a barber shark quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. 
Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Good job. Hey, don't. This is not embarrassing. My blood is clotting. Clotting. Never ever evict your parents, okay? So I run through the maze, and then I find there's some guy named Quees. Quees? Boring man. Gremlin T. Squeerfish. Minus opposite. Janitor Snoutlink. Dirt stick. Nothing else. No. They got boulders up in here? Because look, I don't have time for no boulders. Ain't no boulders. Well, 
you know, had he been a quarterback that kind of struggled throughout his five years, then, you know, maybe you, 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 you wouldn't have gotten the contract in the first place, but um, I think he can be fixed. I just think there's some, there's so many different reasons why he hasn't uh, really performed well. Uh, you, you could start with the offensive line. You know, they're going to run out there. This is going to be their 12th game, and they're going to run out their 11th different starting offensive line in those 12 games, which is just crazy when you think about a unit that really needs to have cohesion. He's been sacked 46 times. You know, that's not all on the offensive line, um, but, you know, some of it is. Uh, and I think when you've been hit and sacked that many times that, you know, eventually you're not going to make good decisions. You're not going to make good reads or accurate throws. And I think that's affected him. And the reason that another reason for those 46 sacks is Doug Peterson. You know, he doesn't escape any, any blame in this. Him and his offensive coaching staff have not been very imaginative or creative uh, with the way they've um, run this offense and, and schemed up ways for receivers and running backs to get open. Um, so some of it is him holding the ball too long, but some of it is his receivers aren't getting open either. Um, you know, it's really just kind of been a breakdown from the very top to the very bottom, uh, in this organization. And Carson Wentz is right there near the top of the list, but I think he's a fixable guy. Um, you know, he just, uh, at this point in the season, you know, we're in December now, I'm not sure he can get fixed over these final five games, but, in the off season, I think the Eagles are going to need to make some changes. I think Carson Wentz going to, is going to have to take a, you know, kind of a long look at himself and see what he can do uh, to help himself get better. And I think they come back next year with Carson Wentz as the quarterback. I'm not sure Doug Peterson will be here as the head coach. Um, and if he is, I don't think he'll be the play caller. I think they'll actually hire an offensive coordinator to call the plays, something they do not have this year. Doug is, in effect, the offensive coordinator, and it's just a mix that hasn't worked. So uh, there's going to be changes, but one of them's not going to be Carson. I fully expect he'll be back next year. Now, you could say maybe the Colts would make a run at him. They need a quarterback, right, to replace Phillip Rivers. Um, and there have been some talk, you know, I've heard some things about that, that that could happen. But still, the Eagles are, are bound to Wentz, even if they trade him they still take a big cap hit on his contract. Uh, so the Colts would really have to be creative if they want to try to pry Carson Wentz away and have him come work with Frank Reich again when they teamed up you right. know, in 2017. But uh, I, I think that that would really be a shock if it happened. I just think there's a lot of contractual stuff in play there. But, uh, you know, it could happen. I mean, we're not at that point yet. But uh, right now I fully expect Wentz to be back in Philadelphia next year. Well, let's go around the table here with the, with the gang here since the gang is all here. Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. You heard uh, Ed talking a little bit about the possibility of Carson Wentz coming to Indianapolis to replace uh, 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 Phillip Rivers. Uh, do you got anything for Ed? Do you have any thoughts on that, Tony? Well, I feel bad for Ed that he has to, to, to follow the Eagles and that whole debacle of the NFC East that's going on uh, right now. So, so my, my, my condolences to his patience. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense because Frank Reich's here. Look at the success that they had. Um, I, I, I kind of don't want that as a Colts fan and a guy who, who follows the Colts. I think if you're going to do that, it kind of stunts the growth a little bit more of Jacob Eason. I'm not saying he's going to be ready next year to go. Um, I just fully expect them to look at the record and look at Phillip Rivers and bring him back because that's just kind of how the Colts organization works as far as the loyalty department is. 
Um, we'll see where maybe Matt Stafford, if he's on the move somewhere, does Aaron Rodgers resign uh, with the Green Bay Packers. So, yes, there is going to be a lot of quarterbacks out there, and I, I think the Colts will have interest in Carson Wentz. I just certainly, from a Colts fan standpoint, kind of don't want that. I would rather them just roll with the second-year guy next year in Jacob Eason and see what happens uh, than, than give up some assets that, that, that Philadelphia might want. So I do think going into this offseason, there's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of um, quarterbacks on the move. You know, the Jets are obviously going to be looking for one. Denver, I don't even know if they have a quarterback on their roster uh, right now. So, uh, you know, Minnesota, we'll see what happens with Kirk Cousins. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a guy that's probably going to be looking for a starting job next year. So there is a lot of uh, quarterback carousel that's, that's going to be going on uh, in the offseason. And, and I think the Colts obviously will definitely meet with, with, with Wentz because of the experience factor and what uh, you know, him and Frank Reich have done together in the past. Rick, we're going to uh, turn it on, on to you. Certainly feel free to, to talk about the Eagles, the Colts. But maybe you want to talk with Ed a little bit about your Detroit Lions finally uh, parting ways uh, with with head coach uh, uh, Patricia, uh, head coach there. And uh, certainly we talked earlier during the college football segment of some possibilities, and there was that rumor of going around that Jim Harbaugh would end up at, at Detroit. But, uh, Rick, go ahead. What do you got uh, for Ed? Anything at all? Go ahead, sir. All right, well, Ed's really good at, at his job because he just touched on the uh, question that I had for him. Uh, do you think the problem in Philly is that the wrong coach left town because Frank Reich uh, you know, took over the, the coach's job and left Doug Peterson there in Philly? Do you think that this is the fallout that we're seeing from that finally? Um, yeah, I think Frank Reich deserves a lot of credit for what happened in Philadelphia in 2017. You know, him and – but I, I don't think you can overlook Doug either in that. I mean, th- those two just had a a terrific relationship together. They really worked well. Uh, Doug had a lot of trust in Frank and vice versa. And, you know, since he left, I don't think uh, we've seen anyone kind of step into that role where Doug fully trusts them. I know he liked uh, Mike Groh, who got promoted to offensive coordinator when Frank Reich, and he, uh, when Frank Reich left, and he, he wanted uh, Groh – in that role in this season, it would have been his third year as the offensive coordinator. They were kind of building uh, this rapport together. And then one day after Doug came out and said, yeah, Mike Groh will be back the next day, he announced they were firing him. So, you know, that to me was an an owner's move. Uh, You know, Jeffrey Lurie probably stepped in and had uh, said to Doug, look, we got to make changes at the offensive coordinator spot, the offense isn't clicking. And they did. And I think that was a detriment to this team as well. But I, you know, I think Frank, yeah, he deserved to be a, a head coach, no question about it. And he wasn't going to be one in Philadelphia coming out, out of a Super Bowl when he would have had to, you know, pretty much wait until now until that came to the forefront. And, you know, somebody would have snapped Frank up sooner than now uh, had he not left for Indianapolis and remained in Philadelphia. So, really, the Eagles, what are they going to do? They're not going to keep Frank Reich and let go of Doug Peterson after you win a Super Bowl. I mean, it's just not going to happen. So, you know, Frank was gone either way. And it was, it was good fortune that, you know, Josh McDaniels backed out of the, you know, the offer that the Colts had for him back in 2017. And, you know, they they called Frank after, you know, two days after the Super Bowl ended and he was on a plane and two days after that, they hired him. I mean, it was, it was great that he fell into their lap because, you know, I have a lot of respect for Frank and a lot of people in this Philadelphia organization do as well. I know he's real popular here in Indianapolis. That's for sure. Scott Lamb, 
I don't know if you want to talk about your Broncos, but I think this is the first time you actually got to talk with Ed Kratz, a beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Scott, we uh, appreciate you joining us. Scott is recently out of the Army, and he is part of our college football team, sticking around to talk uh, some NFL, and he's a Broncos guy. Go ahead, Scott. Well, I'll give a different take on Carson Wentz on my thought. I, I mean, I really wonder if Philly has some buyer's remorse in the contract they gave him. But, I mean, Carson Wentz has a ton of talent. But the injuries that he's taken, Ed mentioned the 46 sacks he's had this year. But the lower body injuries he had early on in his career, he's not as mobile as he was. No one's ever going to confuse him for being a Randall Cunningham. But he was able to get out of the pocket, extend plays, and now you just don't see that anymore from him. And I think it's just the, the wear and tear of the injuries that he suffered early in his career. Yeah, hey Scott. Yeah, thanks for your service, man. Congratulations. Good luck in the uh, in the you know out of the military and everything. But thank you for for the service. Um, appreciate it. You know, yes, sir. Wentz. Uh, you know, I mean, you make a good point. Uh, Wentz doesn't look as mobile. I think it's a lot of indecision too. And and again, it's it's the play calling. You know, they haven't rolled Carson Wentz out of the pocket much these last two games in particular. Uh, and Wentz is on record many times saying, I like to get outside the pocket and change my launch angle and, uh, you know, throw on the run. And the Eagles just aren't doing that with him. And um, I, I'm not sure why, but you're right. I don't think his mobility is what it, it was. He's going to be 28 years old and, uh, you know, in a couple of weeks here. Um, but there's no questioning that when he runs the ball, man, he, he's tough as they come. I mean, he'll try to pick up as many yards as he can and, I don't think I can remember the last time he ever slid uh, on a running attempt. And he's the Eagles' second-leading rusher, believe it or not. And he's ran for five touchdowns, which is a career high. So, I mean, I think he needs to use his legs a little bit more, um, mobility or not. I just think he needs to kind of get outside the pocket. They need to let him create in the pocket or outside the pocket, however you want to do it. And and even running the ball, you know, they, they do these RPOs, these read-pass options, and they worked real well with Nick Foles, but for some reason they don't do it as much with Carson. Um, but I think, you know, he's still an adequate runner. I still think he has enough mobility to play uh, and be successful. Uh, but I, I do agree that he, he hasn't looked as mobile. And, you know, there was an interesting article that came out about how when pro athletes begin this vegan diet, uh, how their body begins to break down. And in 2019, Carson Wentz changed over to be a, being an all-vegan uh, you know, in his diet. And, you know, that's ended some players' careers or helped contribute to the decline of it. Um, so, I mean, even that's been offered. I mean, there have been so many theories out there why Carson has looked sluggish and indecisive and slow. Um, you know, it's just – and all of them, I think there's there's some, you know, legitimacy to a lot of those arguments that are out there. And I think there's others, too, that haven't come to the surface yet. And we'll see if the off season sheds any light on that. So, Ed, Ed, what you're saying is meat should be a part of our diet. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big so, part of mine, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, let's go, let's go ahead and uh, we'll all play the home of card. We'll try to get in as many games as we can. We've only got about 10 minutes left in the show. We want to make sure that we get, get to everybody because we do have a full house. But let's start with you, Ed. You've got the Packers this week. Uh, what are your thoughts? Aaron Rodgers is really on fire. And I, I mean, as much as I like the Eagles, I mean, you got your, your work cut out uh, against the Packers this week. Yeah, it looks like a waste of jet fuel for the Eagles to actually fly to Green Bay this weekend. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I just I, I don't see a whole lot of hope in them 
uh, coming out with a win. But, you know, I will say last year, Green Bay was 3-0. and The Eagles were 1-2. and They went to Lambeau, and they ended up beating uh, Aaron Rodgers 34-27 to in that game. And, um, you know, the Eagles haven't mailed it in. And that's the one thing about Doug is he's a player's coach. And, you know, these players are still playing for him. So, you know, the Eagles are going to go in, and they're going to give it their best shot. But they're just undermanned. They're, you know, Carson's got this crisis of confidence. Um, you know, there's just a lot of things pointing in Green Bay's direction to win this game. And especially even last year after Rodgers lost that game by a touchdown, you know, that's probably, you know, been in the back of his mind for the past year. So uh, it's going to be a tough job for the Eagles. It would certainly be a a huge, huge upset if they found a way to win. But I I just, you know, I just don't see how. I think maybe if they run the ball to try to control the clock as best they can. But, you know, the running game's kind of been spotty. Uh, Certainly not what it was last year when the Eagles ran for 176 yards on that defense. I think they ran it 41 times. But uh, they're not going to do that this week. And, you know, that's kind of what they need to do with any hope to win. But even if they did it, I don't think they win. Green Bay's probably going to win this game by two touchdowns. Tony, let's start. We share the same homer card, and that's the Colts versus the Texans. And I tell you what, I was really excited to see the start of the game against uh, the Titans last week. I was really – it's a good thing I don't have young kids in my house by the end of the game – Certainly the Titans and the Colts know each other very, very well. We move that behind us. Certainly they take control in the, in the uh, AFC South playoff picture. We're still in the hunt. We're not out of it yet. But the Colts need to have a good showing down in Texas uh, tomorrow, uh, the Colts versus the Texans, Tony. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. You know, Texans team kind of coming off of that win against the uh, – the Lions, they've had like that mini buy that, that people talk about when you play on Thursday. So they're going to be well rested. And, you know, Sean Watson has been playing well. And, and the Colts just decimated by injuries last week. You know, half of the offensive line, the, you know, the center, not the starter. Um, Phillip just didn't have a good game. And, and, and they let Derrick Henry run all over him. Now, on the flip side of that, the Colts still kind of control where they can go and, and their destination. If you look at, you know, two more games with the, with the Texans, uh, those are winnable football games. If you take care of what you're supposed to take care of, this Colts team uh, should should be in the playoffs. This is, this is a winnable game tomorrow, uh, but but you have to play well. You're going to have to um, slow down Deshaun Watson, kind of let it, make him play in a phone booth, make him just stay in the pocket because once he scrambles, he can beat you. And with Will Fuller being not out there because of the positive PED test or taking a banned substance, He's had a hell of a year. They no longer have DeAndre Hopkins. This is the first time the Colts will face Deshaun Watson without DeAndre Hopkins. So eliminate the, the running game and what Deshaun Watson can do with his feet and uh, make other guys beat you. I mean, was it, you know, there, there, there's, some, there's some no-name wide receivers that will be out there for the Texans. But if you're the Colts, take care of business, get a victory, you know, move your record to 8-4, and four, set yourself up, to go to Oakland, and, or excuse me, to go to Las Vegas, my apologies, go to Las Vegas and, and pretty much play for the wild card is what that's going to come down to. The Raiders were not impressive last week against the Atlanta Falcons. Then you get the Texans again at home. you got to go to Pittsburgh. It'll be an interesting game the two days after Christmas for the Colts against Pittsburgh, knowing that, okay, is Pittsburgh going to be undefeated going for that undefeated record? Is Pittsburgh going to have the number one seed locked up in the AFC? So maybe they'll arrest some guys. So I still think the Colts control their playoff destination uh, by beating – the likes of the Texans twice and the Raiders on the road. 
Rick, let's talk about your Lions and the Bears. Obviously, uh, the the Lions are are had their first game in without their 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 head coach. But what are your thoughts, the Lions and the Bears? Oh, well, I think they're going to come out energized. You know, I think they might just uh, a new sense of energy. I, I think the Lions will actually get the win against the Bears because uh, I, I I think they're going to open up the offense a little more. I think Daryl Bevel, you know, he's taking over the interim head coach is going to. Uh, open things up and have the guys play free and loose. I think they put up a lot of points on the Bears. Uh, I don't know how the defense is going to go because the Lions, they just don't play defense. But I think the Lions do get the uh, the win against the Bears. This is an audition for, for uh, Daryl Bevel, you know, for that head coaching job. He is a candidate now. So uh, he's going to leave the old stone, stone unturned in that offense. I mean, they're, they're going to go out and try to win and try to score a lot of points doing it. Uh, but I think the number one contender, and Ed, maybe you can help me out uh, for the Lions' job. Is, and I believe his last name is pronounced Salee, Robert Salee, but the, the defensive coordinator for the Niners. Uh, do you know anything about the coaching search uh, for the Lions, Ed? Uh, well, I mean, it's still pretty uh, new, right? I mean, they just moved on from Patricia. But, yes, I think you mean Thomas Salee, the, the 49ers D coordinator, that guy? Yes. Um, yeah. I, you know, I mean, he could be. It seems like that's always the direction that the Lions go is with that defensive coordinator. I, you know, I'm always of the mind that you should probably hire an offensive coordinator. I mean, the way offenses are and everything's still right. in their advantage. So, you know, I think the Lions but would I think probably Eric be wise. But is yeah. uh, probably going to take that Texas job. I mean, I know he's yeah, to me, you know, guy, a better fit. Yeah, I like I like Joe Brady a lot in Carolina too. You know, I mean, I I know in Philadelphia they're talking about Joe Brady if Doug Peterson were to move on. Um, you know, obviously the former LSU offensive coordinator put Joe Joe Burrow into the Heisman and did some great things in that undefeated season, and he's doing a pretty good job in in Carolina. He's only I think thirty one or thirty two, um, but uh, I would just keep an eye on him as well as another hot commodity, but Eric Bieniemy certainly should have a head coaching job. And, you know, I know there was talk about Byron Leftwich in Tampa Bay, you know, perhaps having a head coaching job. So I think it's still kind of early in the search for the Lions. But uh, if I'm them, I'd go offensive coordinator. They haven't had any uh, real luck doing it with the defensive side of the ball. So why not? Especially if you're going to keep Stafford, uh, which is a whole other issue. uh, Right, yeah, he might not be there next year. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, to me, they got to blow it up you know, at that spot too, but you know, we'll see uh, what they do, but I, I, I would go offensive side of the ball from the Lions, but that's not to say they won't look at Soleil or some of these other D coordinators that are out there. You know, the guy in Baltimore, uh, Martindale, he could be in the mix, uh, you know, it's, Greg it's, Roman. it's still kind of early. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Greg Roman. I think Martin Martindale's the offensive coordinator there, but yeah, Greg Roman, right. That's who I meant. So, so, so Scott, uh, we'll, we'll kind of round it up with you here as we're about out of time. Uh, I'm sure like most Bronco fans and the Broncos themselves, they just want to put an asterisk behind 2020 and move on into next year and, and into the offseason and move on. Got a tough matchup on the road against the Chiefs. I mean, one would say they're probably a, a Super Bowl contender. Uh, the Broncos, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, I don't know if you've got anything you want to say, your your, your last rights to them, to the Broncos or whatever. Uh, I don't know if there's any life in them at all. Uh, talk about the, the wasted jet fuel, but what are your thoughts on the Broncos and the Chiefs? Well, my, my big issue with the Broncos this year, just like with the Ed talked about with the Eagles and their play calling, the Broncos' play calling has been atrocious. Thankfully, we get to have a quarterback behind center this week. Uh, 
Last week they they started Kendall Hinton, the practice squad receiver. They came out and they were moving the ball with the Wildcat with Philip Lindsay and Roy Freeman. And then Pat Sherman decides he wants to go to three wide receiver sets. And every time they do that, they make mistakes. Uh, and we last week they completed one pass. They had two picks out of three wide receiver sets. Uh, if they could stay with the two tight end looks, they run the ball at an average of over five yards a carry. Uh, the defense kept them in the game. You never know it from the box score last week, but uh, the Broncos offense just poor play calling. And no one's going to confuse Patrick Mahomes for Taysom Hill. Uh, you're going to go into Arrowhead. You're down. You're underdogs by two touchdowns. Uh, see if the defense can keep them competitive, but uh, it's, it's not going to be a, a good week. All right, guys, well, let's uh, wrap it up and put a bowl on it, and we'll start with you, Tony. What are your final words of wisdom? Tony Donahue, the Tony D Podcast. What do you got going on in your podcast this week, and, and uh, where can people find your working masterpieces, sir? Yeah, I'm excited for a, a lot of good college football. I'm a, I'm a big college football bowl dork, so I, I, I'm really excited to see some of these bowls coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, certainly excited about today's Coastal Carolina and BYU game. Um, I, I commend both of those teams for, for being 9-0 and and, and and coming together to say, okay, we're going to play and, and give the fans this awesome game and, and see what happens. Um, NFL-wise tomorrow, Colts got to continue to win. I think the Chiefs will win. And, 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 and I know COVID, I, I had it, and, and it's been bad for everybody, but I think a positive that I think that we can all take out of this is we've, we've got to see so many different things. We've got to see NASCAR on a Wednesday night. We got to see a yeah. Wednesday afternoon NFL game. We got to see a month. You know, we're going to see another Monday doubleheader. So, um, I, I guess looking on the positive bright side of some of these things that has came down because of COVID is the fact that we've seen that. You know, hey, maybe a Tuesday night NFL game would work, or hey, maybe a NASCAR race on a Wednesday night would work. So, thinking on the thinking on the bright side of things, that's that, that, that's kind of where I stand on that. So, everybody have a good weekend. Podcast Tony D Indy on Twitter. Podcast Tony D. Just search for it. Real original, I know. And uh, again, Mike and Joel, just for having us do tomorrow's Packers uh, Eagles game. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. Take Have care, a good guys. one, Tony. All right, Tony Donahue, the Tony D Podcast. Seriously, guys, if you're not checked that out, we'll put it up on social media. He does a great job with his podcast, and oftentimes has some great uh, 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 guests. So he does a great job uh, with that. Ed Kraft, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. We know what you're working on, but where can people find your work and masterpiece to serve? Yeah, you just hit me on Twitter at Kratzee, K-R-A-C-Z-E. I post everything there, or you can just head to the SI.com NFL homepage or type in Eagles after the SI.com, and that brings you up to all the Eagles stuff. So that's where you can find me. You know, I just real quick, you know, talking about the Broncos, I think it was a shame they really had to use that receiver last year or last week to play quarterback and, uh, it's a shame the NFL kind of made a scapegoat of the Broncos for players not wearing their masks. I mean, they bend over backwards to postpone the Ravens-Steelers game, you know, forever, and yet they couldn't find a solution to let the Broncos get one of those quarterbacks healthy. Um, and that has a trickle-down effect. You know, you look at the rest of the, you know, the division, you know, they played the Saints, and if you're the Bucks and, and the Falcons and the Panthers who are still trying to catch the Saints, you know, that really helped New Orleans to have to face a, a you know, a practice squad-wide receiver. So I, I thought that was kind of a bad look for the NFL to uh, to do that to the Broncos, even though I kind of understand them wanting to make a scapegoat of quarterbacks not wearing their masks in meetings. But still, I think you have to find a, a better solution than, than what they uh, came up with last week. Ed, we appreciate you joining us. And uh, like I said, we, we'll, we'll talk offline, but we'll be doing shots later tonight if you want to join us. <laughs> All right. <laughs>
I got to. I got to. Have a good one, Ed. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Rick. You too. See ya. Hey, Kratz, we rider from Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, our official NFL contributor. Guys, it's been great today. We had a little bit of hiccup on Facebook. Uh, we can I'm, – I'm, I'm down for doing this. If you guys don't want to do that, I'm okay with it or either way. But if you want to – we can just do a real quick uh, recap of the show on Facebook. Uh, if you want to do that, we can jump on there real quick and do that. If not, we'll just get on with our hey, day. Hey, I'll tell you what. You I'll tell you what. Today. Let's – Let's try that tonight, all right? When well, we're all together. That could be dangerous, but I'm all down for it. I'm down for it. That's fine. That's, yeah, let's that, try that. that. I'm all for trying that tonight. Okay, we'll couple do that shots, tonight. couple. Yeah, we'll we'll, yeah. we'll try to work out that bug tonight. I think that I think that'd be great. That'd be fun. That idea that that worked perfectly, except for the audio. So I'm excited for us going forward well, with that. I, I, we I get know, that audio thing worked exact, out. It's going to be great. I know. I know exactly what the problem is. The problem was my earbuds, and I had to revert back to an external mic, which was causing feedback in the Zoom, and that was the problem because it wasn't coming from you guys because you guys' earbuds were working just fine. My earbuds wasn't working, and so I don't know what happened. So I've got a couple other sets of earbuds or my headphones, so it'll work just fine. And what the problem was was the blog talk because it was it was feeding off feeding off of each other, and that was what was causing the feedback. Tonight, we will not have that problem. All right. Sounds good. All right, Rick. We'll talk with you soon. Yeah, have a good one, guys. All, All right. Have a good one. You last but not least. Uh, appreciate you joining us and, and had a lot of fun. I know we had some hiccups. Uh, look forward to getting together tonight virtually. Uh, but any final words of wisdom for us, sir? Uh, you know, the NFC East, I wonder how many games the winner of that division is going to end up winning. I think they all go 0-4 this weekend. Their opponents are the Seahawks, Packers, Ravens, and Steelers. None of the four teams get a win. Uh, do we get a double-digit loss team to win that division? You know, that would be a, a crazy scenario to play out, that's for sure. All right, Scott, we'll talk with you later on today, and, we're, and we'll be on the, the Facebook later on tonight. All right, have a good one, Tom. Uh, all right, Scott Lamb uh, joining. My name's.